Yeah, I think I think creativity can be defined as just anything that somebody puts their mind to. You know, it doesn't have to be anything specific. It doesn't have to be with a paintbrush or you know, it could be something you know that. Oh, it definitely doesn't have be to, anything. Doesn't have to be with be a anything. Creativity's all over the place. Yeah. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself. Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, The Art Box. Excited to be here today with Junior Baeza, and my wife has a crush on Junior and his wife because she went over to the Painted Hippo once, and she came home and was like, "Oh my God, you need to meet these two people. They're the most fabulous people in the world." So I came, yeah, and I painted a, a marijuana pipe. Oh, that was your first one. That was my first one. Nice. Which is not to indict me for anything. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it hasn't yeah. been used. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, I'm going to actually let Junior tell us about himself. Well, uh, my real name is actually Jesus, but I'm a, I'm a junior. And uh, I was born and raised here in the valley. I was actually born in St. George because there wasn't a hospital. We've lived here most of our lives and and uh, excited to do this podcast with you guys. And Tell me about little Junior growing up. I did a lot of rambunctious things growing up there wasn't much to do besides you know ride four-wheelers and make homemade canoes or rafts and go down the virgin river when it was flooded you know and and uh, we grew up basically out on the streets right after school and we got home when the street lights turned on you know we didn't have anything exciting that was like technology wise you know we had to go out and find our fun. Uh, did a lot of hunting growing up, still do today. Yeah, a lot of outdoor stuff is what I've done growing up here. So did you go to, and I think we've already talked about this, but did you go to Virgin Valley High School? Yeah, so I went to, I've actually been to almost every school there is in this town, it's just the way it fell. I uh, went to the old Virgin Valley Elementary, and then they built the jail bowler out in Bunkerville. And then I got to go there for a couple years. Then I went to Virgin Valley High School for a year. And then Hughes Middle School was built. So then I went to Hughes Middle School for a year and then back to the high school. Oh, so Virgin Valley High School was what, um, it was 7 the, through 12? Yeah, it was like the middle high kind of thing before they built Hughes Middle School. Okay, now I think they go, what, 6 through 8 and 9 through 12? Yeah, so high school is 9 through 12. And then the... Middle school, six through eight, yep. Okay, so you had a childhood much like mine, although we didn't have a river where I lived at. But <laughs> so you missed you, out. You, that you, was you came home from school and played football and ran around and hunted and yeah. threw dirt clogs and just all good, fun, 
stuff drank out of a hose. For sure. That's all we drank out of. And you're here. Yeah. We had a funny thing you mentioned. We had this uh, water system in town where it was like the secondary water, they called it. And it wasn't recommended to drink. But if you left it on long enough, it went from brown to clear. <laughs> and then we would drink it, you know. So and here we are today. You have a wife and two or three daughters. Three. So, yeah, I'm married. My wife is Sabra. She's also from here. Her family's way back from Dudley Levitt, you know, the the pioneers. And, uh, yeah, we have three kids, uh, Stella, Camilla, and Isla. And Stella is 10, Camilla's 8, and Isla's 4. Okay, so then Junior grew up and you went to work. I grew up, What did yeah, you do? I graduated high school and I thought it was a great idea to move to Kingman, Arizona. And I had a job opportunity there with the Mojave County Sheriff's Department as a detention officer at the ripe age of 18. I thought it was going to be a fun, it was, it was fun. And uh, yeah, so I started my career off in Kingman, Arizona. It, was that a shock? Was that a big city? No, I mean, Kingman's a little bit bigger than Mesquite. It's probably between Mesquite and the size between Mesquite and St. George. But it was, it's a totally, totally different environment for sure than, than this area. When I moved down there, I had actually told my parents that I had a place to live, and I didn't because I didn't want to worry them. So I ended up living in a, a weekly motel kind of thing, and I and I and my mom called me and she's like, "How's it going?" I'm like, "Great, my my place is great. I have a nice place," and she's like, "Okay, well, we're gonna come visit you." And oh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. And I told her I was like, "No, no, don't come yet. I'm real busy. I'm doing doubles. I'm never home." And it was because I was living in the Arizona Inn, <laughs> which had some questionable residents in it. But, you know, I, I did it, and that, and that was my, my choosing to do because I didn't want my parents to have to worry about me and, yeah. and have feel obligated to help me out and do all these things. You know, it was just one of my, I'm going to grow up and do it on my own kind of thing. So, yeah, it was quite an interesting well, start. How were you at that job? 18. So I started at 18. Yeah. yeah. I just, I wasn't able to carry a gun. And I was oh. just, they gave me a badge and put me in with 400 prisoners and said, have fun. You know, they're like, just don't get killed. <laughs> and and that was, that was the, that was literally the training. You know, I, I literally walked in and they sat me down and signed some paperwork. And they're like, you know, these guys are bad. Some of them have killed people. Others, you know, just, do your best. And I'm like, this is the training, huh? And I I went to work. Was it? Did you make some friends there? Absolutely, yeah. A lot of a lot of the people that I worked with, I worked there for about 14 years. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I, I stuck there for, well, I transferred up here. It's the same county. Right. Yeah, so right. I worked down in Kingman for about five and a half years. Yeah, a lot of the people that I met through those years, I'm still friends with today. Really great, great people. I think when you work in an environment that's so difficult, I think you become close with the people you work with for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How about the prisoners? Any friends there? Oh, no. No, yeah. no, no, no. I've had a few family members flop past through, you know, yeah. but no, no, I didn't make any friends. I do run into some occasionally and they remember me, and um, but other than friendship, no, none of that. I mean, there must have been some that were good that were. Yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. people that are incarcerated you know some people are just in difficult situations and and 
life happens, right? And I always told people, I said, well, the difference between, especially young adults, I'd say the difference between me and you is you got caught, <laughs> you know, or the cop that caught me knew some knew my dad and yeah. just told me to go home, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I never really judged people. I learned how to, um, I learned how to just look over, you know, what their situations were and just kind of treat them as people because that's just what they are. You know, regular people. You make a good point there. There was more than a few times that I was pulled over and just had to give my beer to the officer. Yeah. Um, who was a big brother of someone I was already going to school with or friend, you know? Yeah, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I don't know that that happens anymore. No, for sure. No, it doesn't happen often, I, I imagine, but it did, you know, when I was younger, I guess. So when you transferred up here which is which i always think about this if you're from scenic arizona mm-hmm. and you get chosen for jury duty mm-hmm. jury duties in kingman arizona for sure which is like a world away from scenic arizona it's a three-hour drive and uh you have to you, go through a whole another state yeah i, I sound like um basically two because you start in arizona then you got to go through nevada and then you go back through you know back to arizona so it's kind of a Kind of so when when you transferred here, were you a deputy then? So I worked. I still worked for the jail when I was up here, and I did fugitive extradition. So we had people that had warrants from out of states and everything. We would take them and transfer them to Kingman. Okay. And, yeah, and then we would like if they had new charges or pending charges, we would take them to the courthouse, basically like bailiff for the judge, and then these people would go through their charges. We'd either release them back into the community or take them to Kingman. Yeah, and you worked out of the uh, Beaver Dam office. The trailers up yep. there at Beaver Dam? For sure. Yeah, I see them there. It's like, what goes on there? Yeah, I, I when I first walked in, I was like, this trailer's from the, I don't know, late 60s, maybe early 70s. Somebody told me they donated it. And I think the carpet was original until like the last year that I was there, they finally... Yeah. changed it out you know and so it was kind of an interest it was it was a great place to work uh, all the people that are there they 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 put in a lot of effort uh for a little bit of compensation you oh, know i'm sure so, so there you were up there you're close to home yeah and your parents still lived here yes oh, yeah. they live in mesquite or they live in bunkerville so we live in bunkerville they've always lived in bunkerville um since they were young so there you were and how did you leave there I had an opportunity, one of the guys that worked up here was retiring, and my uh, jail commander came up to me and he's like, I I really don't want you to go because I had just promoted, Um, I had taken the sergeant's exam and I had just completed that. I was first on the list, uh, ready for uh, promotion. I just said, you know what, we had our first child. Well, you were married by then. Yeah, we were married. We got married at, well, we got married at 21. And so this is, you know, a few years into living. Had you moved out of the motel by then? Oh, yeah, for sure. I was only there. I was only in the motel, I think, for, I don't know, it was like eight or nine days before I could get an apartment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't romance her with, no, no, with no. this motel thing? No. I told her. I was like, I don't have anything over here. You know, I'm living in an apartment. I have one lazy boy from the thrift shop that I bought and a, and a TV that somebody gave me. She's like, I don't care. I'll, I'm moving over there. And she's like, if I have to rent somewhere near you, I will. I'm like, okay, <laughs> if that's what you want to do. But anyways, I, I yeah, I got an offer to transfer up, and, and our daughter was 
just I think she was probably six months old and my wife's like you know we don't have nothing here we don't have anybody here let's just do it you know and so I took the transfer over a promotion which you know I, I wouldn't change it I wouldn't I probably wouldn't yeah, be well, here today if it I was did. a means yeah. to an end yeah yeah and so I took it and I came up here in 2000 and back up here in 2012 back to Mesquite Back to Mesquite. So we'll go on, but I, I want to. You told me about your future goals, and you want to retire and be a millionaire by thirty-four. <laughs> it, it sounds it sounds snobbish. That was my. Those were my goals. Those were my goals when I was younger, uh, starting out, and and I always told my wife. I always said, "I'm going to retire by the time I'm thirty-four, and I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm thirty-four. And she's like, do you think Mojave County will ever give you a raise that big? <laughs> and I laughed and I said, you know, I got to do something. I got to figure out something besides public safety because it just wasn't it, – I'd never get – you know, those were young goals and 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 they've, they've changed a lot from then till now for sure. Okay. So you left uh, Mojave County. Right. I and left. And then you started a life as a – Entrepreneur. Yeah, so I was still working at Mojave County and was trying to think of what I could do. I was tired of living paycheck to paycheck, and you think you see these guys out there and they have a respectable career, and and you know you see these officers and the, and do they make a good living? Yeah, you can support your family and they got great benefits and all that, but it's like the bare minimum for the stuff that they have to do. You know, it's 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 outrageous, but. So while I was working there, I, I had a few business plans. Uh, I did have, it's it wasn't all, it wasn't all great. I did have a business that totally failed. But well, I, I think I, that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Except, except for the federal government. Yeah, yeah. When they fail, they just print up some more money. <laughs> exactly. You couldn't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I came up with this business. I'll just go brief into that. It's it, it was called Reflections in Stone. Essentially, what it was is I I had bought like 10,000 of these little metal aircraft aluminum tags, and I was going to engrave some QR codes on them. And basically what it was is they were going to be purchased by people that wanted to put them on their family's headstones. And it was like a Facebook page. You know, you could go to the graveyard and then scan it, and then it would show videos and photos and history, biographies of these people that you have no idea who they are. And so I thought it was like, I'm like, this is it. This is going to be my million dollar idea. And well, and you're just to say, since I've known yeah. you, you're quite amazing. But you're full <laughs> of ideas, you. and everything's colorful, and everything's interesting, and everything's unique. It never stops. So, so there you were. Um, I guess that was real. How did you handle that when you were a corrections officer? It, how, how could you stifle your creative side? It was just it was just one of those things where I had to like it was in the night, you know, or it was on my days off. I we would just mill ideas, me and my wife, and and excuse me, and a friend that I had, um, a coworker actually. He's like, "That's a great idea. We should go partners in." And I said, "You know, I for sure. You live in St. George." You know, we could start up there. It's a great business. I said, because we did a lot of 
research into it, and, and, and the reality is is that people forget their family members after the third generation because it's you, your mother, and your grandmother, if you're lucky enough, but you do, nobody ever knows their great-grandmother hardly. It's very, 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 very rare, and it's like the, that fourth generation is lost. And so I thought, well, this idea, people could just compile all the information they have, link it up with Family Tree or, or what are those? Um, Ancestry. Ancestry.com thing. Link those things up where they could pay like a subscription. They would put that information on that QR code. We would put it on their gravestone. And now you just you walk through the cemetery and now you're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing how the, you know what these people went through. Like these were... You know, look at these photos, these letters they wrote, history, you know, that's that's getting lost. And so I thought that was a very, a very, that was one of the main goals of that business was is to keep, like, preserve history, family history. And and, and I, I just thought, I thought it was going to be a great idea, but it totally crashed and burned. And I, I tried to give them away and nobody wanted them. I was, I, I made up you know, a hundred and I put them on Facebook and I went around and I talked to people and I said, Hey, this is what this is. It's free. Uh, there's nothing you have to pay. Just here's a link, upload all your family's personal information on there that you want to share and we'll go. And nobody, I had two people and I'm like, this is crazy. Nobody, it's not that they, it's not that they didn't care, but I think it's just one of those things where it's like, it's just not important in people's lives. Uh, some some people, you know, I think as you get older, yes, that becomes very important. Um, but the younger generation doesn't think about that stuff right now. So they will. They will, and maybe there will be a company out there that that hears me on this podcast, or somebody hears me on this podcast, as I could do that. Yeah. And that would be great. I, I mean, I don't say so we'll pay a million dollars for this idea. No, they can have it. I just love it. You know, I'd be a subscriber. You know, I have a lot of family history, and and it and it's, I you know, I should have made one for myself, but I didn't. Still can. Yeah, yeah. I I, I enjoy going to graveyards, particularly out here. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll see, you know, they'll be like twenty-one years old and died, and yeah, why? Yeah. What happened? You know, they're from Scotland. Okay, how did they get here? You know, did they have any family here? Does anybody even know they died? On and on and on and on. A hundred percent. And and I follow this uh, page on TikTok that this lady cleans gravestones. Her whole video is just cleaning them. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but as she's cleaning them, she went and got all the history information that she could possibly find on this person. So the whole time you're watching her clean this gravestone, she's telling you their whole life story. And I'm like, this has 1.1 million likes, let alone views. You know, why didn't this reflections in stone thing? I mean, it was it was a long time ago when I tried this out, but it was just one of those things where like, if you can, if you can get that many people to watch this video every day, you know. Why not do this? But yeah, how interesting. Yeah, and and I, and I had further ideas. You know, I'm just always thinking about stuff like that, and and I thought it could be used for education for schools. Uh, you could put these QR codes on monuments. You can put them on uh, statues. You can put them on historical important sites where you can walk up, scan it, and you know if they take. 
teachers take kids for field trips, you know. They have their iPads now or whatever they have, and they can scan these, and there's a brief history lesson on what they're looking at versus reading signs and stuff, which I think is going, you know, we're moving on to the technology, right? We're moving on to where things are, like, you should just be able to walk by and your phone will ask you if you want to hear about this history information, and I think it could all be tied in to it. Yeah, that could very well happen. I have a friend, she's executive director of Nevadans for Cultural Preservation, and through her nonprofit, they're putting QR codes. Yeah, see? So you can... And I was doing this 11 years ago when... QR codes were just start, you know. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a QR code. That's what that's ago. what I'm saying. So now they're doing it, you know, 11 years later, and I'm like, maybe that's why it was just wrong timing. But yeah, well, that was well. There's there's plenty of time, and I know you have so much time <laughs> in your day. You know. Yeah. So the, yeah, that was my big failed my big failed business. So. Then what was next? So next, I uh, my dad was set to retire, and one of my his brothers, my uncle, was set to retire, and they just they said, you know, we got to do something when we retire. We got to figure out what to do, and I think we're going to do a cleaning business. Well, they had talked about that for probably over a year or two, and finally, funny story, we were sitting at Bingo in Eureka. <laughs> And uh, they were talking about it, and I got my phone out, and I said, do you guys really want to do this or not? And they said, yeah, yeah, that's what we want to do. So I literally went on the state website, and I got a business license while we were playing bingo. (laughs) And I says, well, now you guys are owner of Silver State Cleaning. And they're like, how'd you do that so fast? And I said, it's simple, you know. I mean, it wasn't simple. I just told them that. You know, the paperwork's complicated, but I just told them, I said, it was just you just got to do it, you know? And so Silver State Cleaning was born. That was in 2018. I was still working at the sheriff's department. We just got that going. It was one of those things where it was like on my days off, I was cleaning people's houses and cleaning garages out and cleaning, you know, pressure washing garages for all these, you know, we were trying to get into these new builder homes in town. You know, we got some big builders here. And uh, we were fortunate enough to, to secure our first contract was with D.R. Horton. And that's a nationwide builder. Yeah. And these people called me and, you know, they talked to me as if I was a seasoned professional that I knew exactly what I was doing. And I, I, I'm telling you right now, I, I did everything I could on the phone to sound like I knew what I was talking yeah. about, you know. And they talked about I needed you know, waivers of segregation and things like that. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know I can get those and I can do this. And I, you know, I had no idea what they were talking well, about. It's a good thing you could hurry up and Google them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a big contract and they were building in Moapa. And so I would work my 10 hour shift, you know, six to 6 PM. And then I would drive to Moapa to go pressure wash garages all night and clean. And, and my dad and, you know, and my uncle, we all, Either if we weren't all together, we would, you know, somebody was going to do something. And so that was a 
And they were good partners? Yeah, they have been. They have been great partners. You know, we all have a little bit of our own strength, and, yeah. and that's just the way, you know, you have to have. My dad is, a, is one of those kind of guys that doesn't stop working. He's a, he, I grew up with his voice in my head, only lazy people starve. And if you want something, you can go work for it. And so that's where I kind of got my drive to do these things. So he's got the work ethic. He knows how to make sure people are doing what they're supposed to be doing and motivating them on how to work. My uncle Armando, his brother, he's really good with contractors. He's really good with talking with people to get these new contracts. He can go and talk to these people and all of a sudden, you know, they're like, yeah, we're interested, you know. So he's he's really good at that. He's also takes care of like our window crews and stuff like that. We all have our jobs, right? We all have all assigned our jobs and it's it, it's worked out. It's just worked. It's just, it's moved. I think we're what, six years going on, six years on this business and it, it's just been great. And I'm the behind the scenes guy that that does all the paperwork and the billing and the, and the payroll and the computer aspect of all this stuff, you know. No wonder you don't go to sleep till two or three in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I usually go to sleep at three in the morning and everybody's like, how are you still asleep at eight o'clock? It's late. I'm like, not for you. I mean, I, I'm a three to eight kind of guy. Uh, the other day I went to bed at five thirty in the morning. When they say it's all peaches and cream to own a business, and you know they see people see the they see the outside of it, you know, and they say, oh, you're you're going on vacation or you're going here, and I'm like, you don't see that I'm up till four in the morning every night and what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I, my break is I have to leave Mesquite. Or I won't have a break because if I'm here, there's one of three businesses that's calling my name multiple times a day now, you know. So, but anyways, yeah, Silver State is it's 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 been it's a great business. We do mostly commercial buildings, so all the new restaurants that you see in town, Dutch Bros, McDonald's, Panda Express, we've cleaned them all. Um, we got them all prepared for their health inspections and stuff, you know. So we we offer a service that. You know, there's a million and a half cleaning companies in Mesquite, I think. And, uh, you know, people called us crazy for being the million and point whatever else. I think we've rose the occasion to what Mesquite really needed in that aspect of just other than residential cleaning. Now, you do um, work outside of, well, obviously, you said Moapa Valley, Overton area. But anything then to Vegas or? Uh, we have done a few jobs in Las Vegas. That's as far as we've gone. Okay. And we don't do regular work over there. We we were invited to actually bid the contract to clean the Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. You know, so yeah, stuff like that. And I'm like, where'd you find our name? Like who, you know, the, we're just in Mesquite, well, Nevada. You Silver know? State, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been That would have been a job. I think you'd have had to hire a few employees. I think I would have needed probably like 150 employees, you know. and the, Yeah, I can only imagine that. Well, I, I've been in stadiums after a game. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Plus, all through the game because they wanted the bathrooms cleaned like every hour, you know. So, it's, it was a job. It was it was a big job. But so how many people work for you? Currently, for Silver State Cleaning, we're at uh, 10 employees. No, I lied. I'm sorry. I didn't have that information off the top of my head. We have 14. 14? <laughs> yes. Good. We have 14. Do you have a, a contact number if anybody's interested? Yeah. So my cell phone number is probably the best number I can give you. The landline seems to get more spam calls these days no. <laughs> yeah every time i answer the business line because it's directed to my phone this is so and so we're we're gonna give you a million dollars but 
Um, yeah, my cell phone is uh, 702-515-9705. And that's the best way to get a hold of me if you have any cleaning needs in Mesquite. Steam Center here, and I'm saying, there's competition. There's the Painted Hippo. What the heck is the Painted Hippo? Yeah. And then my wife went once, <laughs> and she doesn't stop going, and the rest is history. Yeah, Gwen. Do you want to talk about the Painted Hippo? For sure. Gwen is, Gwen is the best, by the way. Yeah, so the Painted Hippo was pretty interesting on how won the name. Um, I can go over that. We had... Oh, somebody told me this story. Uh, who did? Saber did or my wife. your wife did? Yeah. So the painted hippo, my wife is like infatuated with hippos. And I always say that's probably why she married me. But <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> and uh, no, a long time ago, my daughter, I think this was probably nine years ago. It's not so long, but nine years ago, we were at this ceramic paint shop and Gilbert, I think it was Gilbert, Arizona, and we were visiting some family down there, and and uh, I painted this piggy bank hippo for my daughter, and, it, and it's just like the one you see on the wall. It's got the paint splatter on him, and it's purple, and and she had that. She's had that on her nightstand since I painted it. And uh, fast forward to 2022, this last year, early of last year, we were painting again at a ceramic shop in St. George. And I said, I told my wife, I said, why can't we do something like this? You know, what what's stopping us from doing something like this? Mainly the thing was, is the pricing. It was just, I painted, I think we painted three small things and it came out to like $210 or something like that. And I thought, wow, that, does this stuff really cost this much? I said, maybe we could do something and we can try to do better. You know, I said, this is a franchise company that we we're at. So maybe they, you know, they have to have their certain prices, but we jumped into that and the name, we couldn't figure out what to name it. And we were sitting there and I had, we got this hippo that I had painted nine years ago. And, and my wife's like, let's name it the hippo. And I'm like, that's just, I don't know. Like it's, you know, what are we doing at the hippo? You know? She's like, well, they paint. And I was like, the painted hippo. There you go. And I said, there's the, you know, the name was born. born. Yeah. It's still a little confusion for some people, uh, you know, but it's just one of those names where it was a personal kind of thing. And, and we just ran with it, you know. My wife has always been into ceramics growing up, you know, as a child. And, and, and as she got older, she had family that was really into it her aunt had a kiln in her garage and spent a lot of time with her and and so they did a lot of those things you know they would go over there for the weekends or 
on school breaks and stuff, and they just painted kinds of things. I did it too growing up a little bit. Uh, I had a friend. His uh, mom would bring us like these church buildings, and and that's pretty much the extent that I did. It was like a few schoolhouses and a few church, little church buildings. So you do quite well. I went on a, a Friday night, and it was a lot of fun. You had a, a packed house. It was just a good night of chatting and painting. and. Yeah, so we offer uh, Friday nights as adult nights. Uh, we came up with that because it, it was just like a big demand. You know, we would be sitting there, and there's a, you know, the place is full, and we got kids, and it's loud, and then you have, you know, a couple that comes in, and they're like, Eh, we're going to pass, you know, just because they didn't want all the noise and they yeah. weren't. We thought, well, we should offer something for people that, for everybody, you know, during the week is for kids, for all families, for whatever, whatever age, it doesn't matter. There are people that don't mind children, they come in. But Friday nights is strictly for adults. Uh, it's 6 to 9 p.m. and you have to be 18 or older. We do allow people that are 21 and over if they want to bring an adult beverage or something, wine, they're, they're allowed to do so. It's not sold or anything like that there. They can just bring their snacks and their own little beverages. And yeah, it's a fun time. We we try to do special events on those nights. We order special one-time kind of things, ceramics, you know, like you won't see on the shelves. It's, it's pretty fun on a Friday night. Yeah, I had a really good time. I'm glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I got to try new things. And yeah. Gord would say, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> said, how come you're just pouring paint on it instead of painting it? I'm like, leave me alone. It it blows people's mind when I mix some of that glaze with, with water and then I pour it on my, you know, I just thin it out a little bit and then I just pour it on. And they're like, but but what are you doing? And I'm like, well, you know, you don't get the brush strokes, you know. There's different techniques. And I, I've tried to teach people certain things that I know. I don't know a lot about, you know. I don't know everything about it, but I've learned over time certain little things and I'll teach people. But that's the fun part about it. So you're an artist in a sense. I, I don't consider myself an artist. <laughs> I think you are. Um, your creativity is yeah. leaps and bounds over most people. Okay. And I'll just say that because of your other new business, yeah. your new new business that you just opened. And if you happen to go in there, it's it's colorful. Yeah. I, the walls are colorful. <laughs> For sure. The employees are colorful. Yeah. I, I always tell people, I, I, this is my, they laugh at me, but I'll, I'll, I'll say that uh, I am the most colorful person that only wears black. <laughs> and, that's, and that's me. You know, I tell everybody that and, and uh, they laugh about it. Yeah, well, color is oozing out of your pores. Yeah, yeah. I love to see it. I love, you know, I love environments that, that have a lot of color. My wife is the big push for that. I think since because we've got married, I've never had a white wall in my house. And that's her doing, you know, we always have a yellow kitchen or a green this or an orange laundry room, like, like hunter safety orange, <laughs> you know. So I think I'm just used to, it's all her really, you know, I'm just used to seeing all this color everywhere because she just, she doesn't like boring. Well, before we get into slurp, Let's finish up with a painted hippo. Yeah, let's finish. Um, do you have? Uh, you want to give an address, and um, is there a website or? Yeah. So before I go into that, I wanted to mention. Uh, I totally forgot the painted hippo. The biggest thing that I enjoy the most about the painted hippo is the connection 
that people get with each other there. It's huge because we've had so many people compliment, you know, or comment. For example, the other day, an elderly, a grandma and a, and a granddaughter came in. And this lady was in tears. And she said, this is the most I've ever talked to my 14-year-old granddaughter in years. Isn't that great? And it's amazing. And it, and it touched me. I was like, this is... This is what the Painted Hippo is about. And you go in there, and there could be 40 kids and all the parents, and nobody has a phone out. There's, and, and I'm not against phones, right? No, I, We live on them. This is how we make our money. This is how we interact or communicate with family members. However, you know, they're great. But today's youth is, like, getting lost in them, and I think the Painted Hippo is a place for people to disconnect and reconnect at the same time. Well, that's so great. Yeah. And I think it's just, I think it's, that's, that's, that's like the heart of the painted hippo, I think. If, if people really look at it, it's just a place to, to disconnect and reconnect. Okay. Yeah. And everybody's talking. For sure. You go into, you go into the store. Well, people talk in the store, but it's just blinders on and yeah, cell people have their head and... down. They're on their phone. You go anywhere, anywhere you go, the biggest, I wouldn't say rule between me and my wife. It's, it's just a respect between each other is um, when we eat dinner or when we go to dinner, we never pull our phones out. And even if it rings, my phone will ring. We can go to lunch and it'll ring 30 times in an hour and I don't answer it. And people hate that. But you know what? That's my, that's my, the respect that I have for my wife. It's our time. This is for us or with my children. You know, when we're doing something like that, I I, I could care less if it. I, I'm sorry if it's a, an emergency. You know, I'm not answering it, and I've kind of established that, and we both, it works out great. The hippo is is people just chatting it up, talking to each other. Yeah, they pull it out to take a picture or something, but nobody's sitting on their phone looking at Facebook while their kids are painting. You know, they're they're smiling, looking at their kids and. Everybody's having a great. Yeah, day. there's a lot of parent-child interaction Inter- yes, going on there for sure. Yeah, I like the one little girl one day. I, I watched probably it was her mom and her aunt brought her in, and Gwen and I were in there painting something, and she got to paint something little, and they were finishing up, and she got the little girl got down and ran over. Okay, mommy, I want this one next, yeah. and she's like, you yeah, know, we got to go home yeah. now, and she's, but I want this one next. The best ones are the the parent that gets really involved in their in their item that they're painting, and they have a little kid that that comes over, slathers a bunch of glaze on one, sets it aside, goes and gets another one, <laughs> slathers paint on it, and the parents just like, yeah, 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 let me let me finish this, let me finish this, and I at the end of it they have like four of them, and I'm like, and you're going ching 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 no 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 absolutely not I think it's just I think it's just hilarious that it's you know it it just that grabs people, uh, you know, especially men think that it's just a girl's thing or my wife's thing or whatever. But I'll, I'm here to tell you, when we get a, a guy in there that says, oh, this is going to suck. I don't want to do this. This is, you know, can I go watch football while you do this? And they get in there. The ladies are begging them to hurry up and finish because they can't get their item done. And they're usually mad because they're like, just let me finish. You know, take the kids and I'll, I'll, I'll finish. And I think, gotcha. You know, it's just one of those things where I think us guys get into that whole, 
oh, we have to do certain things. We have to follow a certain line. We have to act a certain way. And and if you get a, a guy in there like that to start painting, it totally like, oh, my gosh, I, I was relaxed. I actually could relax while I was doing something. And I'm like, that's what it's about, you know. You got to get off that track and do something for your mental health. And this is totally a... Uh, totally it, a route. It's a, it's a really good community meeting place. For sure. Okay. And Gwen, she would hate to go to the store with me because I know a lot of people in the town <laughs> now. And she'd be like, ah, all you do is talk to people in the grocery store. Yeah. Okay? Well, now I go to the grocery store with her. She's like, oh, hey, how you doing? Yeah. So where do you know them from? Oh, the hippo. That's good. Yeah, she meets a lot of people and, and a lot of people... Uh, she made a friend the other day. Just some lady uh, came in, and they just hit it off. You know, it's like it's just meet random people there, and they, they end up being friends and group up together later on during the week and paint. It's it's amazing. You've been in there. We offer a ton of ceramics. My wife, she finds these ceramics. I don't know where she finds them, but she tries to get new items up every week. She puts her heart and soul into this place and and i think it reflects on the you know you could ask people that go to the hippo you know who she is and how she is and 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 you'll get the response that it, you know it, it's amazing but we offer she offers a, a ton of a ton of ceramics she tries to get one-of-a-kind things that you know they only made in the 90s and they only made in the 80s and they're coming back for a week and so she's trying to get on these lists to get these things for people and and so she really puts a lot of her time into that i've been there when a box arrived yeah and she seems quite excited though yeah she does (laughs) and she and and the crazy part is is like like with the cleaning business, I know a lot of my clients, but I, I don't. You know, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like she knows everybody that comes into the hippo. And she can tell you how many times these people have come into the hippo and, and what they like. It's, it's, it's amazing how she remembers all of that. But she orders things and she says, I know this person, this person, this person will want this. And this person, this person will want this. And I should get this because that, this person's going to want this. And I'm like... How can you do that? Like, how do you cater your business? Not cater, but how do you specifically, like, pinpoint all these things down? She she just, she takes business in a totally different view. And I'm speaking for her, but I know she'll approve of this, but because she's just, you know, she's amazing. But she takes business totally different than I do. I take business as, I, I I'm not as serious as people think I am, but I do take business pretty serious on on the aspect of like having things organized having things this way a certain way and she's just kind of like this is where I'm going to meet friends like everybody that I meet I'm going to try to be a friend with she loves and knows all of her customers which is it's crazy it's amazing but that's her t- that's her you know that's the way she operates that that business so when you go there people really feel the the welcome we offer parties, private parties, groups. Um, we don't charge for reservations or anything like that. If you have, I think it's, she has 11 painters. Uh, you can have the studio for two hours. You just have to pay for the ceramics. We don't charge anything on top of that. So it's a really good place for youth groups. Uh, we do have a lot of youth groups that come in scheduling. Um, birthday parties are, are a big thing. Business 
employee team building parties. We've had several this year. Uh, the holidays are coming up. I believe we have a pretty big group that's booking a, a Christmas party for all their uh, their group. Um, so yeah, if you if you want to book a holiday, we've had block parties with neighborhoods. They you know we had a neighborhood come in and they and they said hey we usually do a barbecue on our street, but we don't want to do that this year. We want to have it at the Painted Hippo. Oh okay. So they brought all of their charcuterie boards or however you say that and their their wines and their snacks and the whole neighborhood was stuffed in that place. Oh, was it real? They've done it twice. And they've they've already booked it for next year again, but so we do we offer a lot. We're we're limitless on what you want to do. You just come in and ask and, and Sabra will Sabra's up for anything, you know, she's she's uh she'll let you plan whatever you want to do there. So that's the painted hippo. That's the Painted Hippo. The address is uh, 312 West Mesquite Boulevard, number 7. We're in the Mesquite Plaza. Mesquite Plaza, and you're right across the street from the Steam Center. Yes. Which is where we're at now in our beautiful Steam Center studio. Yeah, this place is amazing. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together brighter than a lucky Slurp was, how do you say, uh, kind of like an accident, child. You know, you weren't, we didn't plan, we didn't plan to do this. Um, it wasn't one of those things where I aspired to be a, in the food industry. Going back to my youth, uh, my mom was a person to open one of the first Mexican restaurants here in Mesquite. I, I don't, I haven't talked to her about the specific dates, but it was in the late 80s. Um, she opened Taco Sonora, and that was in the plaza next to Big O. There's the yeah. so there's Big O, and then there's the car wash that's closed I down. Justin property, Jensen property there. right yeah. there. So her restaurant was actually there, and so I grew up in there, uh, in that restaurant, and for a few years. So the slurp thing, you know, I I I said I don't know if I want to do food. I don't I. Food is very difficult, in my opinion. It's put more stress on me than I'd like, but <laughs> have to be up till four a.m. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where if people hate it, it's just it's just a steamroller. You know, it's never gonna go. It'll never go up. It'll never it'll never do good because you get one bad food review from somebody, and it and it totally infects like. 10 people or 20 people, you know, and they won't even try it. They just go based off of what their friend said. And so that's what keeps me up at night. And so anyways, October of 2022, a year ago, a little over a year ago now, I signed a lease in the same plaza here at Unit 101, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I left it there for like a month, and and somebody's like, well, you're going to have to pay rent on something you don't even know what you're doing, you know? I told my wife, I said, let's do axe throwing. Let's do a smash lab. You know, people can donate their junk TVs and we can just, people can pay to come and get a baseball bat and 
beat these things up, you know? I thought— oh, Ax, Axe throwing is a thing. It is a thing. Yes, I did is. do research into that. Yeah. So I was trying to think of all these ideas. You know, my brain doesn't stop when I get— I wonder what the insurance is in yeah, Axe yeah. throwing business. Probably less than my cleaning company, but <laughs> we won't go there. I would just lay in bed, and I'm like, okay, axe throwing, star, Chinese star, knife throwing— Let's do a thrift shop. I just had this unit. I signed, you know, my lease for however many years. And, and I thought, man, what did I do? And my wife has always been a, I'll say, it, a freak about smoothies. Uh, she's a smoothie person. Anywhere we go, everywhere we go, it doesn't matter. We could be in Nashville, Tennessee. And she's like, we're going to get a smoothie. Find me a smoothie shop. She's like, let's do a smoothie shop. And I said, well, yeah, Jamba Juice closed down a long time ago and nothing's ever really and I said okay I'm I'm up for the idea I guess you know I guess and, and uh, you with <laughs> that level of enthusiasm well I you not know enthusiasm <laughs> I just like I said with the food I knew I saw my mom with the stress that they carried on that place she opened it two separate times and and I'm living it now, you know, with the, it's not as bad. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, ter it's like a, a total terrible, but you got, people don't see, you got inventory that you have to keep up. Well, you've got all those, all the fruit. Yeah. And that has, I mean, when we get a bowl there, it's fresh fruit. Yeah, it's absolutely fresh. And we live in the middle of the desert where everything is hundreds of miles away so to get people to bring me things that are the best quality that i could afford you know i i pay for the best quality that they have right i'm i always say if i'm not going to do it the best i'm not going to do it at all if it doesn't if it's not if if i'm going to try to save a dollar i said i'd rather lose a dollar and make somebody satisfied than gain a dollar and have somebody dissatisfied that's that's my motto behind all this stuff. And so, yeah, I just I said, let's do it. So I hired a contractor and I said, I need to put in these drains. I don't know anything about food business. I called the health department. Gary is the inspector. He's amazing. He's 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 probably the most helpful guy that I've encountered in this whole entire city through this process. Uh, he came out on his own time while he was working. And but he came, set aside some time for me, met me at the place, and he goes, it would be a good idea if you did this, and it'd be a good idea if you did this. And I said, that's the most help that I've ever got with anything. Thank you, Gary. You know. Yeah, from an inspector. Yeah, well, from the from the health department. From the health. Department. Not even from the city. You know, I didn't want this business to be a big burden as I was going through with finances. I, so I didn't want to get any kind of credit card debt. I didn't want to take out any loans. And I think that's probably why it took me a whole year to get this place up and running because I paid for it as I went. Kind of just set it aside as a bill. And every month I would say, okay, I got you know, this is how much I need. This is how much I'm going to owe. This is what I need to get done. And so I budgeted it in my life, you know, my daily budget, my monthly budget, however you want to say it. So my model behind Slurp was... I wanted a place where when you walked in, it was inviting, it was exciting, it was fresh, something that was just, it just, it's just inviting. You know, I, I always see these, I always see these like memes or whatever they're called where the people put a picture and then they like put a, a headliner on it or something. And it shows McDonald's in your youth 
and it's like red and yellow and all these colors and Ronald McDonald and the playgrounds all and it says McDonald's as today and it's gray and it's dark and it's black and they are and they're very they're very modern right but they're not like what you thought they were and so I, I'm trying to go back to that but yeah I just wanted something that was fun and inviting uh, you know all these places that come up they're all modern they're all and I get it I get it looks great looks nice but I just want something to be like this is this is cool this is what I I and, and all my art in there is all done by a local born and raised local you know his family's been here as long as mine and you know the early mid 60s 70s their family migrated here uh, from Mexico, just like mine. But his name is Daniel Felix. Uh, he did the artwork in The Hippo. Uh, he did the artwork in Slurp. He's just awesome, you know. And I always try to do everything local. I try to stay as local as possible with everything. But my business model behind the Slurp would be a lot of people ask why I have my kitchen exposed to the public eye. People are like, you're crazy, you know. People see these these employees in here making their food they're not gonna like that or they're gonna see something that they don't like and i did this on purpose i did this because this job is for primarily for youth you know the youth is really attracted to these kind of jobs i had well over 30 applicants did you really yeah honestly and i can't even get five for the cleaning business you know what i mean it's like in a year's time and i pay for advertising and everything and i can't get five people to apply but this one man i announced and i had over 30 applications in one in two days i was so shocked but anyways well you you chose well yeah and i and i thought you know some of these kids this is their first job and i want to be the boss that I never had, that, you know, I always had the one you hate. And so I wanted to bring these these young adults in and, and teach them on responsibility, on how to how to act, you know, that you know, like they can't just they can't just whip their phone out and look at their TikTok while they're cutting somebody's fruit because why? They can see you. I put them like in a fishbowl, and and so they can't do that. And I want to teach them that it builds confidence too. Like people, these these young adults, they came in, and on their first day, they're like, I, I don't want to answer the phones. I, they're all terrified of answering phones. I don't know what it is. They have one in their hand 24-7, but they can't answer one that rings. I don't know if that's something new coming about, but I said, we're going to answer the phones, and it's just going to be simple. However you feel like saying, say it, you know, thank you for calling Slurp or, hey, this is Mackenzie from Slurp or this is, you know, Kean from Slurp. Like make up something you're comfortable with. And so slowly we got these young adults to start answering the phone and taking orders over the phone and, and also interacting with customers and being able to work in front of the customers. It, it really, they have their confidence has just gone so up, you know, it's gone so high that these few that were really shy are now talking louder. They're not afraid to do make a mistake in front of people because if you were to go in the back of the casino in the kitchen, you probably would never go eat there ever again. You're probably right. And this is not bashing on the casino. I'm just saying it's a huge kitchen and things happen. Things happen all the time. You know what I mean? 
and it's okay. Like we're human. We make mistakes. Just if you drop something, leave it there until you're ready to clean your hands and do what you got to do. A lot of people have commented. They're like, you're crazy for just putting a whole kitchen in public's eye. And I said, it's, I think it's amazing. Uh, You know, you got, you look at these places like Cafe Rio, you can see everything they do. You can see all of that stuff. Yes, you can. And I feel, I like Cafe Rio. Yeah. They also hire very good people. Yeah. Because while they're making it, they talk to you. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I, and that's what I want. I want, I want these guys, I want these young adults to be able to, to talk to people. And I, and I tell them all the time, I said, the customer is just, it's, they're like your, their friends, you know? If they're not coming and they're not buying things, you're not going to have a job. And does that mean that you can be a fake or try to make up? No, like this builds you up to be able to communicate to people in any situation in your life. Like they're just starting out and they have no idea what's coming. You know what I mean? Like I sat through a job interview of several job interviews and I, you know, professional ones. And I sat in front of a board of five people, you know, and... Nobody taught me anything. I went in there and I thought I left and I thought, what a fool! I, I totally messed that up. But I'm trying to teach these 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 youth that like, this is where we start. That this is where we start learning these these traits. Everybody, you can learn them. You know, talking to people's simple. It's just they got to get over that fear. And so that's what slurp. That was that was my model behind all this. Is is trying to help the youth be more confident and learn that if they can work in a kitchen with people watching them, you know, opening day, I think we did something around 800 smoothies. And and if they could do it in front of 400 people, however many people ordered that many smoothies, they can do anything. Yes, they can. You can do anything because, you know, it was just everybody's watching you. We had people lined up even though it was 90 degrees inside because of our AC. But it, it's just it's that's my whole thing behind Slurp is to help build the youth, um, anybody really. But really, my focus on that was to build these these youth up and and give them confidence and get them ready for because this is not a retirement job in my eyes, no, right? It's, no, it's not a retirement job. And, and so I'm building them up for the next person, and I I yeah. want them to call me and say, hey, thanks, this, yeah, this they, is a great employee. They should go into their next interview full of confidence. Exactly. That they can now talk to strangers. That's my goal. That's my goal here. So, June, you want to tell us um, about the creations? I don't want to say what you offer, because they're all colorful, yummy creations. So our smoothies are all 100% real fruit. Uh, we don't offer any of those syrups that you see in any of these fast food restaurants that they make other smoothies out of. If you want a mango smoothie, you're going to get all mangoes in there, you know. Um, we, we offer in our smoothies, you can customize them to anything that your dietary, you know, your dietary needs. If you're dairy-free, we offer coconut milk almond milk, all the nut milks that, that, that are dairy-free. We, we offer protein powders, collagens. You can go in there and customize your own meal if that's, if that's what you choose. If you're out for a good dessert snack, we have those too. 
we have the chocolate peanut butter, you know, the chocolate peanut butter and the frozen yogurt and bananas and, and all that good stuff too, if that's something you're looking for. We do offer a variety of bobas uh, that you can add to your smoothies. I know it's been a it's been a pretty big hit the boba has in town. Very rare that a smoothie goes out just as a regular smoothie. Uh, usually somebody's adding a mango boba or a, or a what's what's a boba? So boba, you have your traditional tapioca boba, which is like a chewy, kind of like a soft, chewy gummy bear, but it's a round ball, and it's flavored with brown sugar or dark. Oh. Yeah, it's really it's a sweet it's a sweet thing. Uh, some people have a texture issue; they don't like it. Uh, other people, you know, I love it. We have popping boba. Which is a, um, it's the same thing. They're little, they're little tiny little balls, but it's like a. I always describe it as like an empty grape. When you bite it, it pops, and there's just like a liquid inside that has that flavor. Strawberry, mango, it's just a flavor popping ball, and kids just go nuts for it. But yeah, so we offer those are our smoothies. We do have which has become a pretty popular one. It's a very healthy one. Uh, I, when I was creating that one, I had several people, probably like five or six people in the community come in, and these are real health-conscious fitness people. Uh, one of them even opened, uh, owns like a gym, and we made this drink probably 20 times, and it's called the Green Dog We've we made it probably over twenty times before all these wonderful people were uh, satisfied with the taste. In my opinion, I'm obviously not a health uh, freak, <laughs> so it it's real grassy to me. You know, okay. it's real green. You but chop yeah, up spinach in it. Yeah, it's got spinach and kale and uh, a half of a green apple, pineapple, and water and and ice and. There's no added sugar to that other than the apple and the pineapple, the real yeah. pineapple, you know, and people people love it. We get people that come. We've had a few customers that come every day, and that's like their morning go-to energy kind of thing, and it's great. Neat. Yeah. And uh, one of our biggest things we offer, too, our other big, our other thing is uh, acai bowls. People are always confused about acai, and it. The best way I can describe it is it's a berry from a palm-type tree in, in Brazil. Uh, it's very earthy flavor with uh, very low tones of, like, raspberry and pomegranate. It's not a very fruity flavor, but when you combine those with fresh fruit and, and some honey or some peanut butter or some kind of nut butter, that it just really brings it all together. These uh, These bowls are... All of our bases, uh, we offer acai. We offer uh, one of them is called the Blue Paradise, but it's it's coconut, pineapple, and blue spirulina, which is like an algae. We have the mango, and we have the dragon fruit. All of our bases are vegan, non-GMO, dairy-free, and gluten-free. Um, they're sweetened with coconut sugar. If you're up for a healthy snack or a meal replacement or something like that, that 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 you know it's better than running through the drive-through. 
that's definitely the option for you. You know, you can customize that with any fresh fruit. We carry pretty much as much as fresh fruit as we can that's in season. Uh, everybody's bummed that the mangoes are kind of gone, but I can't. I don't have a mango tree that I can keep cutting them off of. No. You know, I I don't know where to get mangoes right now, but yeah, but they'll, they'll be back around. Yeah, yeah, they'll be back around. There's we other just, fruit. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's that's what we offer there. We offer we have a loyalty program. We we're getting some punch cards in, and we'll offer free a free smoothie or a free uh, bowl for however many punches there are. Yeah, I got five stars then. Yeah, so you're due for a. <laughs> You do for a free one. Okay, so that's Slurp. That's Slurp. And Slurp is in the same plaza. Yep, 312 West Mesquite Boulevard, number 101. My last question. Yeah. Is what's inspired you this week? <sighs> what inspired me this week is I, uh, my middle child. This is, uh, she is. A very thoughtful child. Um, she struggles a lot with her emotions and how she deals with them. Uh, she, you know, at school they do all these things, but she's very caring, even though she gets a little upset. But she was going to bed, and my wife told me this because she goes down and puts them to bed, and then they can choose if they want to say a prayer or something, you know, before they go to bed. And she said a prayer and, and she asked for, there was some people that had passed away and she didn't know, she doesn't know these people. She absolutely doesn't even know them. And she heard us talking about them. And uh, she just prayed that their families can, you know, get strength and, and help them she doesn't know the word grief, but the way she explained it was is that she hopes that they can feel better in their heart, that they that they you know that they're in a better place and wherever that may be, and and uh, in heaven or wherever, and and she hopes that they they can be comforted, knowing that they're with Jesus is what she said, and and to help them. And I, if half of us thought like this to help other people that, that we don't even know. Is just so inspiring to me that she's eight and she wants these people to be healed or to get the help that they need and and it was just inspiring to me that that that's how I want to continue my life and help people even if I don't know them and even if it's just a simple you know you know hope you have a good day and you know everything's gonna be fine you know that that to some people is uh, worth more than gold you know and so yeah she inspired me this week. It is. It's. It's. It just. It made me cry. And that comes from an eight-year-old. Eight-year-old. Eight year and she doesn't. And like I said, she unprompted did, doesn't even know these people. Yeah. Doesn't know them. Never met them. Nothing. But she prayed for three people that she had no idea who they were. And I'm like, this is wow. That's great. And actually, it was a, a lady that came into the painted epo. Her husband had passed away of cancer. And I don't know if you were there when she came in. I, I think I was there when she was leaving. Yeah. Yeah, because Gwen and, was talking about it. And she was very upset. She was very upset about how it was unfair, how it was not fair for her life. And her kids and her grandkids didn't get to experience what she experienced. And so when we were talking about that at home, my daughter really got a... She really got... She she grabbed it, and, and that bothered her the rest of the afternoon. 
and you know she mentioned that she, for her explanation was is that Jesus has a plan for us even though we don't think it's fair you know but in the end she will be happy and I thought this is crazy you know like is this her talking or is this you know something higher than that you know getting the message to me you know what I mean and so yeah that's my inspiration for this week and I wanted to read. Can I can I come up with one thing here? Because I kind of sounded like a snob when I said I wanted to be a millionaire and retire at thirty four, which is in six months. My goals now in life have changed. Now that I'm here and I'm, I would say on the track for that old goal, but my goals now are to ensure that the people that are employed by me have a, a better future, and that. I understand every day that I'm up the 19 or 20 hours a day that I am up that the responsibility of them raising families and having their responsibilities to make sure that they have money to provide for their families is my responsibility. And I hold that on my shoulders every day that I'm not worried about on my day-to-day things of what I am doing to be successful. I'm worrying that I can make sure that my employees have a job and that they're growing in that job and that if it's a beginning job that they can continue to learn or I can teach them some things and then they can continue on. So, and that's one of my biggest, that's my main goal as a business owner is to ensure that my employees are happy as they could be and compensated as best as I can uh, do that for them and uh, offer them opportunities that they might not have. My other goal to that is the community. I do my best to do what I can uh, where I see people that need things. Um, I don't talk about that much, um, but we do sponsor a lot of things. Uh, We sponsor a lot of kids, youth. Silver State sponsors a lot of youth. Uh, We do the rodeo, 4-H, um, people that sell their livestock, you know, kids that sell livestock. Uh, we sponsor a lot of youth, and, and I think that that's important with business owners. If you don't, there's nobody else going to do it. And so who suffers, you know, the young generation coming up. So those are my now new goals in life, and being a millionaire is off that, and retiring at 34 is gone. <laughs> but... Those are my. Well, you you can be a millionaire and in, in good things. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's I'm, that's not my that's not my check off the list anymore. You know my that's that's my that was my younger. Everybody wants to be you know well, kind of, of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Junior, I I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, thank you um, for having. I me. think mine and my wife's lives are much better for having met you and your wife. <laughs> Thank and you. And you guys are just such positive influences. Thank you. And so, we, we get to realize there is good in the world. Yeah. And we try we try our best to, to do Well, with you, there's that. always a smile. Yeah. I'm, I'm always smiling. People yeah. are always like, yeah, you, you always got a big smile on. And I'm like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you smile? Yeah, it, here. It's just, it's so much better to smile. Well, Junior, I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. 
To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.